This Friday at the Budweiser Miller Coors Staples Pavilion Annex. Days of the New Fest. Taking place only on the hottest day of July. Featuring performances by Arena Weed, Shin Splint, $12 Tall Cans, Trash Fire, Gravel Parking Lot, Gravel from the Gravel Parking Lot in your shoe, Push Pit, Contest Winner, and closing out the day for the first time since Woodstock 99. The Rainbow from Seven Dust's performance. With the Whirlpool. Tickets are $200 plus fees. Flight Nation is not responsible for any cancellation. Tickets do not include $20 parking fee. Seven Dust will not be performing. No refunds. It's Thursday, Kevin, and how are you today? I'm doing good! Is everybody having a good fucking time out there? <laughs> Kevin did a lot of cocaine before tonight's episode. Boy, did I, did I. Nick, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. We're living in, uh, in weird times, and today I wanted to uh, bring a little positivity to the show. Fucking A, man. Yes, this, is, this was a fun one. Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of uh, dark topics in the last <laughs> couple uh, episodes. So today we're going to talk about Seven Dust by Seven Dust. Hell yes. Yeah, this was a this was a pretty fun listen for me. Yeah, man. I never really spent any time with this album. All it right. was never really just on my radar. My god, like mm-hmm. this was fun, dude. This was like a fun car album. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was for me. Like this album came out like, I mean, I was damn near 16, I think. And I mean, I remember mm-hmm. like driving down Route 45 in Illinois listening to this song on the way to the Borders oh, yeah. bookstore. <laughs> That was a rocking Friday night in my high school life. Same here. Borders, go smoke cigarettes on the sidewalk (laughs) and uh, don't buy shit. And then go inside and enjoy your your mocha with two shots of raspberry. Oh, God. Yeah, Borders, man. Mm -hmm. Like, they completely missed their audience because it was just chain-smoking kids in trench coats. Well, we used to just, like, troll up and down the street looking for girls doing the same. And then one time, me and my buddy passed a car with two girls in it, and we were like, we're going to Borders! They turned around, and then, like, they came into Borders, and then we didn't know what to do. We were like, oh, Oh. uh, shit, it worked. (laughs) I don't have any game. (laughs) Dog chasing the car, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's, uh, let's get into Seven Dust, right? Hell yeah. So Seven Dust was formed in Atlanta in 1996 after R&B singer Lejean Witherspoon joined up with Vince Hornsby, Morgan Rose, and John Connolly. Originally called Rumblefish, they had to quickly change the name over the time and time again story of finding another crappy band with the same name. <laughs> the, the newly formed Crawl Space, which is a terrible band name, released their first single, My Ruin, on the follow-up soundtrack to Mortal Kombat, More Combat. I have a fun fact about more combat. Yeah? Yeah, you know, it can't be a good Days of the New podcast unless we are somehow tying it into white nationalism. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, dude, that, that's just the way it is. So that's, uh, that's the important work we do on this new metal show. Yes, yes, absolutely. So more combat, yes, the soundtrack sequel... 
but not the soundtrack to the sequel right. of Mortal Kombat. Also featured a track by a band called Psychosonic, who are on TVT Records. Psychosonic was uh, just like a house techno act. They are actually quite good. Uh, I own one of their albums. And fun fact, one of the members of Psychosonic, Theodore Robert Beale, would go on to be known as the alt-right activist Vox Day. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> but you should go back and listen to Psychosonic because there's nothing better than hearing a white nationalist in the 90s go, information, techno super highway, get down with the, I'm your silicone Jesus. Oh, fuck. Anyway, sorry. Well, they ended up getting a cease and desist from another crappy band called Crawl Space <laughs> who wanted $2,500 for the rights to the name, which is an oddly specific dollar amount, but whatever. That, that's what child support was. <laughs> yeah, right? Or like, bro, we could both get less Pauls if we get $2,500. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> so anyway, they banned, renamed again, and landed on Seven Dust, a name they came up with after seeing a commercial insecticide at the hardware store called Seven Dust, seven with an I. But whatever. That sounds kind of cool, I guess. Seven Dust. Seven Dust, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, too, signed with TVT and released their self-titled on April 15th, 1997. So I uh, want to talk about TVT records for a minute. Mm. So you're obviously familiar. Like, we're similar guys. So, like, for people that don't know TVT, like, they put out Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails, right? Yeah. Then they acquired Wax Tracks, which was the seminal Chicago industrial label mm -hmm. that, you know, put out shit like KMFDM and Skinny Puppy, right? Ministry. Right, right. Yeah. So you want to know who their biggest money makers were, though, after Nine Inch Nails? TVT, that is? Please. Fucking Little John was on TVT. <laughs> so was Pitbull, Snoop Dogg, and the Yin Yang Twins. And, and Dashboard Confessional. No. <laughs> swear to God. Are you serious? Yeah, I swear to God. Man, that's a, that's a hell of a pivot. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Like, did they sign an A&R guy that was like, oh, all these acts come with me? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I would have loved to have had more combat with more Little John. <laughs> I think that would have made for a much better oh, movie. Oh, man. So let's talk about the album cover. It's it's my least favorite album cover of all time. It, it's my favorite. It's, it's literally a photo of Lejean smoking a cigarette that somebody opened in Photoshop, went to filters, clicked emboss, and then went to filters again and clicked swirl and then just shipped it. That's exactly what it is. That's why I love it. Because when, when you get this, when you pick this album up, you know exactly what you're getting. I mean... I mean, the album's produced really well. And, like, did they just run out of time? Or, this, again, is my theory that, like, everybody was learning Photoshop in 1995. So, like, John Connolly was like, I got this. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't know. The album cover totally sucks. But what does not suck is this album. This album mm -hmm. pretty much rips. Before we get into it, I want to talk about the producer of the album. So did you look into this at all? No. The producer is J.J. French, who is the founding guitar player in Twisted Sister. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's he's actually like a really rad dude. He was like an old school non-protester who dropped out of high school and protested the Kent State killings. So he actually reached out to Morgan Rose, the drummer of Seven Dust, way back before Crawl Space was rumble shit. <laughs> <laughs> Way back before Crawl Space was Rumblefish, they were another band called Red Threat with two Ds. Oh. It's like, Jesus, man, this is like Game of Thrones. Like, I can't keep all these <laughs> names straight. 
So Jay told them about a local R&B act called Body and Soul and their frontman Lejean, and he told them if they ever hooked up and merged bands that he would manage them. And like he willed it into existence and somehow that happened and he made this album. That's incredible. Yeah. So this album peaked at number 165. It went gold, sold 732,000 copies in the US, including one to me. You're welcome, Seven Dust. <laughs> That's what put him over the edge. <laughs> That's what did it, right? It's important to note here that Lejean Witherspoon, while probably not a face on Mount Everest, is without a doubt the greatest singer of new metal. Absolutely. I will not contest that. I mean, with actual musical talent and voice and charisma and originality, like, sure, like, Chester came along later and, like, Brandon Boyd. Like, these guys can really sing, but nobody had a voice as, like, indistinguishable and unique as Lejean Wilson. Yeah, dude, if you ever see a want ad in, like, your local guitar center for, like, you know, it's always, like, a vocalist-seeking band. I can't do shit, but I need a bunch of people to do (laughs) shit to help me with my delusions of grandeur. And he'll list all of his influences, of what he wants this band to sound like. And if he lists one of his influences as Seven Dust, that guy is gonna suck. <laughs> Whatever he thinks he sounds like in his Toyota Tracel does not sound like Lejean at all. It's gonna fucking suck. So let's get into the album. The first track is called Black. And, like, this album, it crushes Mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Like, right out of the gate, right? It comes with that, like, dope, like, kind of techno TVT kind of intro that we've heard on a million songs, but it's still cool. This is kind of like, like, we knew Korn and stuff, and, like, the title New Metal was starting to be thrown around at this Mm -hmm. point. But, like, it sounds super industrial off the beginning. Like, you're like, okay. This this kind of this is kind of cool, but this song's different. So we haven't pointed out yet, but the most notable thing initially about this band is that Lejean Witherspoon is African American, mm-hmm. and at this time there was very very little representation. I mean, new metal was like white dude with long braids and shitty black fingernail yeah. music, right? He was the fir- he was the first black dude I ever saw in that scene. Oh, for sure. So this song, it's called Black, and like I didn't realize it at the time, of course, as a white kid in the suburb, but it's um, about being black. As a 38-year-old man, I just realized that. Right. It's almost an apology for being black, and it kind of fucks me up. The lyric, they say a devil lives in my soul. I promise not to let him take control. And I look in the mirror, and I don't like what I see. Like, that's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And what really gets to me is just the, the course of, I'm minding my own business. I'm not doing nothing wrong. Right. Like, as a black dude in Atlanta... In the 90s, I'm sure it was not the easiest time. Right, absolutely. I think this is kind of Lejean, like, introducing the idea of racism into the zeitgeist of metal, right? Mm -hmm. But he also, like, at the time, it's 1996, you know, when they record this, that, like, if he came out swinging with that, this record never would have happened. No. What people thought was being an ally back then. (laughs) Right. It was very different from what it is now. It was pretty damn forward thinking for where it was at. And I'd like to think it made an impact. Yeah, wait, well, wait till I tell you about the next song. But before we get there, I mean, the, the guitar is crushed, the drums slay. Like, this song's a monster. And Seven Dust opened every single show with this song for, like, 15 years. This was the first Seven Dust song I ever heard. And I couldn't remember the name of it. I just remember, like, this one song. I was like, God, I, I can't remember the name of it. And it came on. I must have listened to it, like, five times in a row. It's <laughs> yeah. so fucking good. It's, it's really, really good. What's funny is, like, they were a band for a while. I think this song, before like they got the big record deal, TVT wanted this to be the lead-off track on the record, 
And they were like, we don't even want to put it on the record. Like, we played it so much. Like, we're kind of over it. And they, everybody was like, well, no, 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 no. This is the <laughs> song, I assure you. So the next song is called Bitch. And Bitch is an absolutely top-tier new metal song. If there's any song, like, you'd get a mud hole stomped in your face to by, like, a guy who's, like, two months out from his first felony, like, it's this sure. one. So, like, so the song, it's called Bitch, obviously. And, like, it's about... You know, I don't know, probably an ex-girlfriend or something. It, the lyric is, I can't imagine to be like you, the pain and suffering you put me through. So, at first, I was going to say that this hits the misogyny new metal trope that we early, early identified, right? Right. But the lyrics don't really go there. So I want to play a clip from their Woodstock 99 set. Right before they go into this song, I want you to hear what Lejean has to say to the crowd. Right? I can be a bitch. <laughs> right, me too. So, but like, dude, he said that in 1999. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just seems like a sweet guy at some point during this set. I think you've heard this on another podcast that we enjoy called Podcast 99. That, like, Lejean's having a good time. He's rocking. And all of a sudden, he starts yelling at the crowd, hey, everybody, look at that rainbow. And he's, like, pointing at a rainbow yeah. on the horizon, like, as everybody's moshing. And he's, like, totally stoked that there's a rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, yeah, just the, the energy this dude gives off. Like, I watched a bunch of live performances. I saw... Uh, I believe it was at the Masquerade. They did like a uh, 20 year anniversary of this album, start to finish, yeah. and just really, the, these guys are completely genuine in what they're doing out there. Mm -hmm. And this song, you know, in particular, it's got the syncopated electric guitar, the acoustic guitar chorus, the flanger effect all yeah. over it. It's super new metal, but for me, like, I loved this song so much when I was 16 years old, and I, I still really, really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy as hell. Like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love it. The next song is called Terminator. Well, the lyrics are kind of stupid, but like the chorus rules. I'm a Terminator determined to end your life. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many syllables in it. Terminator determined. Yeah, like I had to look it up. I was like, that's what he's saying? I mean, all right, it's your song, dude. I think that this is the first legit introduction of the wah pedal on this podcast. Did you forget Godsmack? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, like... I don't know, there's just like this weird intersection, uh, and you, you find this throughout a lot of this album, of a druggy jam band, and then just like, rip your face off heavy music. And they pulled off well. Yeah, well think about it though, like, they recorded this in 96, so they were writing this in 95, 94. Like, Pearl Jam was all over the radio, you know? Like, they, they wrote, like, New Metal was written in the heyday of grunge. And there are some of those bands that, like, were guitar heroes, you know? Like, that could actually play and weren't like, me and Wayne Static that just played with two fingers, you know, like <laughs> this guy can play guitar. Now, should he, should he have this much wah pedal? I, I don't know. No, no, he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. So I think this song, it might be about Lejean's transition from being in an R&B band called like Body and Soul to like a metal band. Like now I'm here, I'm on your stage and I'm, I'm a fucking tough guy. Like Lejean's pretty ripped. And like, maybe this is just him adopting the role where he's on stage. Like here I am, I'm a fucking Terminator. Let's go. What I really liked was that it seemed like it was very much a, you thought this, you thought I wouldn't be here, but I made it. I'm a Terminator. Sure. You know, it's it's kind of that overcoming all obstacles. I feel like this is very much like, 
a southeast kind of style at least in the heavy like new metal bands that i saw where there was you're right like it was written in the heyday of grunge but there was always like kind of one hippie who just like snuck in <laughs> yeah it would be like this <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is that? of course then again when your album cover is your singer just smoking a joint <laughs> like you know you know it's gonna be in there somewhere so let's get into too close to hate so one of the things I like about this band is like I think everybody except the bass player sings mm. and I always appreciate bands that everybody can sing because they're like if you can play the guitar really well you should have learned how to like use your vocal cords by yeah. now right yeah but uh the head like the their drummer Morgan where's that cool headset mic <laughs> He's got like those little tiny braids. Like he's a white guy with like long little tiny white braids and a headset mic and it cracks me up. I mean, he rules at the drums though. But I think that they kind of have cool voices that like really wrap around Lejeune's. Like the harmony stuff on this record's done really well. I mean, the album's so good that I even like, like this is clearly an early filler song, right? But like, I still like it. Oh no, it's got like heavy Sepultura vibes on it. Oh sure, I was like sure. really, really getting off that. No, I, I like this song. It's got lots of digital effects. It's got more wah pedal, but it's got grooves. And early on, before new metal was called new metal, remember when they called it groove metal? Yeah, yeah. Dude, Seven Dust is the most groove metal. They are that, and that's the word I was looking for. It's groove yeah. metal. Like that's exactly yeah. what this is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they've just kind of they haven't quite figured out how to marry the two. So there you have it. Yep. All right, let's get into Wired. Uh, yeah. So, hey, a drug song. We haven't had a drug song in a while. Yeah. Musically, at this point, they're all starting to sound the same. But lyrically, it, it's about doing blow. <laughs> but but I think it might be about, like, some other cokehead that he knows. Okay, look. As a former addict, it doesn't sound half bad. Like, sitting in a dark room with a pile of blow just sounds really nice. <laughs> like, the way that he writes it, it's like... Nobody's Dude. bothering me, and I'm doing lots of blow. It's like, <laughs> like, I was like, the lyric, what's that thing you put in your nose? Can I have some? Yeah, no, no, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, John Connolly is just wanking off some wah solos on a guitar with flames painted on it. Like, <laughs> like, can we talk about how the guitar players in this band are basically the Guy Fieri's of new metal? <laughs> Yeah. Like, in every video, they're wearing, like, bowling shirts. They have, like, flame guitars. Like, they're so 1999. Until, like, Lit came along and took oh, it from them. Oh, God, yeah. What, dad punk. <laughs> but, okay, I do have to point out one thing. I love that every single song title on this album, most of them are just one word. And I feel like they should all be prefaced with, You guys having a good fucking time out there? I said, is everybody having a good fucking time? <laughs> All right, I want to see you guys up on the lawn. I want to see the circle pit up there. All right, this song is called Terminator. <laughs> too close to hate. That is a new, a very new metal thing that we don't talk about. Like the second Stained album is called Home and every single song. Yeah, yeah. which is great because your audience is going to remember it because it's going to be 95 degrees on blacktop at whatever festival they're at. They're going to be drunk. It's going to be three o'clock in the afternoon and they don't have time to like hear the poetry in my soul. All they get is Terminator. The next song is called Prayer and it's it's like the first like new different song. It opens with an acoustic guitar intro and like super soulful voices with the I remember praying with yeah, you line. Well, they pray to the wah-wah pedal. Yeah, no, it turns into funk metal. Like it, I feel like I'm listening to Living Color. Say five bow chicka bows, three big bellowing choruses and move on. <laughs> yeah. It was at this part of looking up stuff about this album that I started getting targeted advertising for the U.S. Army. <laughs> <And> you know, <laughs> 
Well, holy shit, that just makes sense. Oh, no, dude. Uh, in my research for this, Lejean goes over uh, overseas. He just, he's done some acoustic sets for the troops. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know what? Like, I'm not going to label them as USO Corps. They're not. I think that they're just generally good dudes. Yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, they also did, like, their version of the Atlanta Falcons theme song and made a music video where they're all in Falcons gear and, like, the cheerleaders are all around them and it's it's rad. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll go on to the next song. Oh, boy. Face is the song, and it's another dope TVT wax tracks kind of intro, but holy fucking uncomfortable. Like, this song probably needs to be canceled. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, where where to even start? Ugh. Nick, do you want to lead us in on nope, this? Right. Nope, nope, nope. <sighs> okay, I, I have a quote from the drummer, Morgan Rose, and he said that this song is basically consensual SNM. And then he continues to say, I'm sure there's plenty of people that can relate to it. It's about a girl wanting to be taken aggressively. That one hits pretty close to home. And then brackets, it says laughs. A lot of critics vilified this for allegedly encouraging rape. Well, how could it not? The lyric says, I promise one day she'll pray for me to forgive me for all I've done. It ain't easy. That's what she said. I swear she screamed. She screamed so softly. Rape me. Yeah. yeah. Did Morgan write the lyrics to the song? I don't know, but he has taken it upon himself to be the spokesperson for this because he goes on to say, we were told that we were going to get it. Some people are like, I don't know if you should do this. The first album at the gate, you're going to stir up controversy. I was like, fuck that. We wrote the song. That's the way it is. If anybody has a problem with that and they think that we're condoning rape, then we'll respond that they should listen to more than just the two words, rape me, that are in the song. Uh, all right. Well, let, let's move on to some of the words. She's still tired and she wants to go home. I can't let her get away. I promise one day she'll pray for me to forgive me for all I've done. I love the pain. I love the pain. Disgusted with myself, with all the wrong I've done. I can't imagine it was so much fun. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, I listened to the rest of the lyrics, Morgan, and it's fucking sick. Yeah, it's not good. It's, no. it's, like, I, I'm surprised because, like I said, Lejean, like, Lejean, look at that rainbow witherspoon. Seems like such like a good dude. The chorus is the words rape me yeah Ugh. Ugh. yeah that's got to be a weird one to play at your 20th anniversary yeah yeah big time well speaking of other dumb songs that probably didn't age well let's talk about the next song it's called speak i got nothing all right so it's probably the worst song in the album it's like extremely thrown together tough guy posturing nonsense he literally is like pop in a clip when you want to drop but man make sure that casket's closed <laughs> What the? What does that mean? Like, I think he, he was listening to like Ice T. Like, pop in a clip when you want to drop. Sounds like Body Count. This band, and particularly this album, is like about four thirty in the afternoon on your stacked summer radio festival bill. This is your forty-five minute set. You've got sunburn on your shoulders. Like your clothes smell like amphitheater weed. There's a guy selling like glass pipes and cat in a hat hats. Every beer costs eleven dollars and twenty-five cents for some weird arbitrary fucking reason. And like parking is twenty dollars. You show up in the morning already drunk and you trudge over gravel and you're having a good time. And like by the time that the headliner, who at this point would probably be Oh, hell, I don't know. Probably corn. But this is one of those songs that just sounds like something that would be in the background as you're puking in the gravel parking lot and dying of heat stroke. <laughs> the next song, Will It Bleed, is basically a Godsmack song. It's just that one guitar chord through the whole song kind of thing. Every other lyric in the song is, I'd rather kill myself than put you through the pain again. 
which is a lyric that doesn't make any sense. You know what I've started doing when I've come upon these songs that just have no reason for being? I've started going to Last FM. You remember that? Yeah, I forgot all about it, though. And, you know, I've always said that, like, somewhere out there, this is someone's favorite song. Well, I wanted to find out if I could find if this was just, like, someone's favorite song. So, on Last FM, one person in 2019 said it was their best song by far. (laughs) And from 2009 to 2012, three other people just typed, I'd rather kill myself than put you through the pain again, with zero context. I mean, it's the chorus, and they just typed it. That's all I have. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next song is My Ruin. Mm. This is the song that made it onto more combat, right? This is more of that, like, grunge, Shades of Alice and Chains kind of feel. But I think this song feels more like it should have been on the Crow soundtrack than the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. These sound the same, and I've, I've been pummeled with the same song like six times in a row. It's not a bad song. It's a good song, but like, I just want to hear it like a different song. <laughs> this probably should have been the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. It's got all, you know, the four band members are all singing on it. And overall, it's pretty cool. It's well recorded. But like, Born to Die, the album closer, like, it reminds me of, of an album I recorded with my new metal band. The, like, the intro to this show was our first song, right? And it's, well, it's bad, right? But by the time we went into the studio, we had more songs. And I didn't want to record Feel My Pain. But I got completely outvoted by the band. Yep. And I feel like that's this song. It shouldn't have made the album, Mm-mm. but they had it and they recorded it. And, well, it's a song. There's, there's like a Metallica double bass part at the end. And that's the only part of it that I don't hate. Do you know the runtime on this album? Uh, no, but... Spotify does, so we can just edit out this pause while I look it up. Why, yes, I do, Kevin. The runtime is 48 minutes and 31 seconds. There you have it. How long is your typical summer music festival slot? Yeah, 45 minutes. Yep. You need it. In in between banter and, like, once you take out all the industrial openings and stuff and, like, some of the weird funk jams and all that, like, that is how much music you need to be able to go on a touring cycle. Yeah. Well, they like drag it out like bitch at Woodstock 99 was like eight minutes long. Yeah. He like he does this whole like, I'm going to turn around. And when I turn around again, you better be making a whirlpool. <laughs> and then like a but Oh, God, it's the whitest crowd I've ever seen. Like <laughs> there's just like four hillbillies standing in the middle while a bunch of other hillbillies make a whirlpool around them. I always hated the hillbilly in the middle of the circle. Pit. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's just like lifted his beer over his head. Yeah, like I, like he he somehow thinks he commands this and like nobody's paying attention. He, he feels like he, he wields some sort of power. Oh, damn it, Jared, you're the king of the whirlpool. <laughs> I always hated that dude in the middle of the circle pit. There's always one. He'd always have his his just arms up and like like he was some sort of Greek god. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Yeah, in reality, he's just wearing a Pantera shirt with the sleeves cut off. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. That's exactly. It, it is a guy with a sleeveless Pantera shirt and jean shorts with a carpenter belt. And maybe two felonies. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably double fisted beers. Yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's let's get into where are they now? Lejean actually lives not far from me in uh, Kansas City. Oh wow! Yeah, he's uh, attended some shows in my venue. I met him once. He was really nice. Seven Dust still tours, and they still sell records. Mm-hmm. Their most recent release is a pretty solid cover of Soundgarden's "The Day I Tried to Live." Oh wow! They were nominated for a Grammy in 2016 for their song "Thank You" off the album "Kill the Flaw." Um, 
And for real, like I never listened to a Seven Dust song after their second record, which yeah. we'll do an episode on because it's awesome. But Kill the Flaw and specifically the song Thank You, go listen to it, dude. It rules. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's like definitely inspired by like deathcore and like it's got like pretty brutal guitar and drum parts. It's it's pretty rad. You know, I, I have noticed that with some of the bands um, that had more staying power that started in new metal, like bands like Seven Dust, but uh, or uh, P.O.D. Or Papa Roach. Yeah, Papa Roach. As they start in new metal, and that's kind of a thing, and they'll have their big hit, but then they'll keep on the touring cycles. They'll keep releasing albums. They'll have some modest success. They'll never be headliners again. And uh, they do a lot of those summer festivals. They do a lot of those, like, Ozfest and shit like that. Yeah. And they wind up hanging out and spending a lot of time with younger bands who are influenced by hardcore and deathcore and stuff like that. So now there's a little bit of bleed over um, that they're kind of pulling from that because a lot of those younger kids were influenced by seven dust. Yeah, totally. So you're getting like this cross pollination where I I think it's cool. It is cool. Well, and like it's the career arc of the band that never fucks up. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you're like, they're all still in the band. It's not just LeJean and a bunch of session players, you know, so they still have their original sound because John Connolly wrote all the guitar parts, right? Mm-hmm. It's the life cycle. You start off small. It's like a reverse viral curve, right? Like you start yeah. playing small clubs and then you play mid-level clubs and then you're playing big stuff and you get headlining slots. And now a band like Seven Dust will never be an arena band, right? Unless they're on a big tour package. But then, you know, they peak and then their life cycle drops and eventually they end their career by playing the small clubs that they started at the beginning of their career. But by all accounts, Seven Dust is pretty likable so they still get brought out on pretty big tour packages like kind of often yeah like they are a career band and i think for any musician that's one of the greatest things you can aspire to like they have a solid dedicated fan base and they have autonomy they can do things their way well for sure and i've talked to a couple people about this album or this episode it's like yeah we're doing one on seven dust and everybody's like oh yeah dude i fucking love seven dust like right here anybody be like those guys suck (laughs) (laughs) you know anyway by all accounts like they're pretty successful and you know what i wish them well Seven Dust is cool. Agreed. You know, we, we listen to a lot of garbage. Oh, on yeah. This, uh, oh, and yeah. Uh, when we get these palate cleansers, it's very welcome. It's always nice to talk about a band that you're actually excited to talk about. Absolutely. That'll wrap this one up. Kevin, what have you been listening to? I have been listening to Spark Master Tape. Spark Master Tape, nobody knows who he is. He is a rapper. Doesn't really do a lot of albums. Uh, just releases singles as he sees fit. I would recommend one called Chicken. It is uh, like chicken, but with an S. And uh, the great thing about Sparkmaster Tape is that whatever he is rapping, he then lowers the octaves by about 10. So that it sounds like the devil did it. <laughs> and like he raps really fast. So it just sounds, it sounds like if the devil was drowning in a hot tub of cough syrup. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum, and I've been listening to uh, an album called Death Spells by a band called Holy Fawn. Not to be confused with the band Death Spells, because that is one. We're talking about the Doom band from Phoenix called Holy Fawn. The Holy Fawn song I would recommend is Arrows. Uh, You can check that out on the Days of the New playlist on Spotify, where we highlight all of the key songs from the albums we talk about, and uh, we also include whatever we're listening to, so you can just go there to here are weird and delightful musical tastes. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and click that subscribe button on Spotify. It helps us a lot. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Days of the New, D-A-Y-Z of the New and You. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick underscore the underscore knife. And you can find me on Instagram at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y. And you cannot find me on Twitter because it's not safe out there. <laughs> uh, so we're going to come at you uh, every week starting now, right? Yes. By now, I've heard the first mosh pit. Every other week, we're going to join you with a mosh pit episode just to keep you entertained on your drive to work and hold you over until we review either an album we really like or an album we really don't like. Yeah, and uh, if you guys have any suggestions, anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on the uh, fan discussion page. We always love hearing from people, and we're always looking for stuff to talk about. So, yeah, please, and thank you. All right, Kevin, you're calling the shots on the next episode. What's it going to be? Oh, boy. Uh, We are going to be listening to the self-titled release from Hoobastank. Look at that fucking rainbow, y'all!